It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Welcome into week nine of the Mean Streets podcast. I'm William Galloway, joined by Britton Johnson. Britton, happy new year, and what a treat to start things off with two road games after a big win over Tennessee last week. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't get much more fun than that, right? Uh, happy New Year to you as well. Uh, got a big, big week and a half up ahead of us. Uh, I think it is uh, 10, nine days of straight basketball, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, really excited to kind of get fully into SEC play now. Yeah, a lot of Alabama fans have their eyes set on Indianapolis, and rightfully so. Nick Saban competing for yet another national championship to no one's surprise. But in order to get things started and continue to get them started on the right foot after that Tennessee win, two huge road games, Crimson Tide and Nate Oates, your squad headed up to uh, headed down to Florida on Wednesday, leaving tomorrow. Wednesday at Florida, uh, that tip time is set for 6 p.m. on ESPN. And then a quick trip back home late Wednesday night, uh, early wake up Thursday, go to class. And then Friday you depart for Missouri, and that's when you head up to Columbia, Missouri, 2.30 tip time on the SEC Network. So no rest for the weary. Um, a tough start. I mean, tough slate because playing on the SEC and the road on the SEC is absolutely no joke. No doubt about it. Um, you know, there's nothing more fun than playing well on the road and, uh, you know, really silencing a crowd. And and yet there's it, it's hard to get road wins. And it's something that, you know, we look at this week ahead and it's one of those weeks that separates uh, a team that wins the conference in the regular season from a team that comes in about sixth or seventh in the conference or, or even towards the bottom. It's really because the good teams in your league are expected to win their home games, right? And the separator is how do you perform on the road? Um, and so that's something that uh, as a team that wants to, to be at the top of the SEC, we really uh, – Hope to take that challenge on head on and and have a really good week this week. We'll get down to the X's and O's in a minute, but I want to ask you about those road games and what it takes to win those. So we'll talk about what you did well in Tennessee and what how that's going to translate to at Florida and at Missouri. But you so we talked about on the last podcast. This is or maybe it was two podcasts ago. I can't remember now. This is Alabama's league. This is Alabama's to defend. Alabama's the defending regular season champion, defending tournament champion. What was the it factor last year that was so pivotal in all the success um, for having that 12, 13 game, whatever it was, win streak and being able to win all those midweek games, being able to win on the road? What is that key factor? Um, I mean, there are probably 100 different potential answers to that question, right? There's a lot that was really special about the team last year that helped us uh, be as successful as we were. Um, one thing is that we really kept the main thing the main thing and uh, always kind of stayed where our feet were. We never uh, got two up off of a big win or two down off of a loss. We kind of tried to stay pretty neutral and just focus on what was uh, right in front of us, which game was was next. You know, we uh, I, just as an example of that, you know, we had this 
just huge win against Arkansas uh, pretty early in the SEC play last year, uh, coming off of two big wins that were at Auburn at Kentucky. And so we were really rolling at that point, and we had a big game at LSU. And, uh, and for Alabama fans, I think that they know exactly where I'm going with this. We played our best game of the year uh, in that next game, or if not our best, uh, certainly our best shooting night. Um, and I think it's because we didn't get too high off of the success that we had had previously. Uh, we kind of kept a competitive um, attitude uh, and an approach the entire time. And along with that, we stayed hungry. Uh, we were always the team that um, no one really expected us to win. And so now our attitude is, look, you look at the preseason projections this year, we're fourth, fifth, sixth again. Uh, no one expects us to repeat. So uh, we're trying to really maintain that hunger. And then the other thing that I think really helped us succeed um, outside of just having a really great culture and that this was part of that culture is, is, man, we had a group that really loved each other and and was really rooting for everyone to succeed. And so uh, sometimes that would come at the cost of your own personal success, right? So maybe you don't get the minutes or the points you want that night because SEC play, you play twice a week. I mean, you're constantly playing these games. And so if you let the result of one game impact how you play later in the week, that's probably bad for the team. But if you let it be like, man, we're all pulling in the same direction here. So it doesn't matter if I don't play as much tonight, man, maybe uh, so-and-so is balling out and he's really helping us win tonight. But maybe on Saturday, I'm the one that's going to be needed. And so everyone was ready to step up and was rooting for each other. And and I definitely think we have that on this year's team. It's something that we're still growing in a little bit, but man, we definitely have a group that loves each other. So that's been really good. Currently sitting at 10 and three overall, undefeated at home, seven and zero in those seven home games, one and zero in conference play, as we've said multiple times now, Wednesday at Florida, Saturday at Missouri. Can't stress enough how big these games are, but Britain, let's go back to this Tennessee game. To start out conference play, the, one of the last days of 2021, a 73-68 to 68 win over the Vols in Coleman Coliseum. Obviously getting things started on the right foot, but it was one of those games, and I, I just always go back to this when I think about that game. You know, as I was preparing for this podcast, the the day after the game, the, the 30th, I guess it was, I was at um, on a trip with my family, and my brother-in-law, brother-in-law looked at me the next morning at breakfast, and he said, William, how did we win that game last night? So it, it was one of those things. It was like, you kind of squeak by, but can you really put a finger on, you know, what was the it factor in that game? And um, talk about what we did well to overcome and get a five point win to start SEC play. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with this. Tennessee is a fantastic team. They're picked to be at the top of the conference and they deserve to be picked to be uh, at the top of the conference. I mean, they are, uh, they have built a great culture over the years. They have, a lot of great talent. Um, obviously, they were without two of their better players. Um, but, you know, something that I you know, told people in the aftermath of the game is when you play a, a team that is as talented and deep and has this culture as, as strong as, as they do, not saying that, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a, a lesser team, but it's still better than the next tier of teams within your league. So if you're playing a top-level team, even without their guy, because of the culture they built, because of the talent and depth that they have on their roster, they're likely still better than a middle tier or lower tier team in your league. So it was still a, a, a just a massive win for us. And 
you know, something that we preach a lot is that shooting should not determine whether or not we win games. It should determine the margin of victory for us. Um, I think that that game against Tennessee was the ultimate example of that because we, until the last two minutes of the game, could not hit a shot. We shot horribly. I think we finished at 22% from three, but we were less than 20 for the vast majority of the game. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that I think it came down to two things. One was we were really committed to defense, especially in the second half, and we really stepped up and got stops when we needed them. And then the other is I think that our style of play um, eventually wore them down a little bit. You know, I think it eventually got to a point where uh, we were in the last eight minutes of the game and it was neck and neck and they still made plays because they're still a great team, but you could tell that they were a little tired and we were just a little bit more built for that style. And, um, so that's one of those things that, uh, who knows if we play that game 10 times, how many we win, but I, I was really proud of the way that our guys kind of persevered through a bad shooting performance and just committed to playing team defense, getting stops, and and ultimately winning the game. And so now you go into Florida and you got to take a lot of those things. I love that that point you make about shooting shouldn't determine um, whether you win or lose the margin of victory. That's that's beautiful and, and very well said. And I think that's appropriate for a Nate Oates coach team is, yeah, you're going to shoot a lot of shots, but at the end of the day, it's the effort, the hustle, um, really the grit. You know, the grit and sweat don't win you games, but in, in a sense, they kind of do. Um, you know, those hustle plays and, and blue-collar points go on to make a big difference, whether you see them on the scoreboard or not. So you got a team like Florida, 9-3, and three, um, a little bit further back in the net. Bama's currently sitting at 21 in the net. Florida is sitting at 44. Also, Missouri is going to be a good challenge um, up in Columbia on Saturday. So tell me what you know and – I would imagine and anticipate that obviously the scouting for Florida um, is at the forefront of your mind. You're not worried about Missouri until Thursday. Um, but tell me about this week's matchups. And we've talked about the importance. We've talked about having two road games, um, getting into two games a week in SEC play. That's something we've talked about for a long time on this podcast before. But tell me about this Florida team. What should we expect? Who are the guys to look for? Who have you been playing in practice? Um, and what should the expectation be for Alabama fans looking for a big game Wednesday night? Yeah, I mean, Florida is another uh, very tough, very good team. Um, I think, you know, obviously the net ranking is in the end-all, be-all, and it shouldn't be. And uh, 44 is way too low for them. They're much better than that. They've been ranked for the majority of the season. Um, coming off of a COVID pause right now, but they have a lot of depth and a lot of talent. Um, you know, one of my high school rivals, I like to say Myron Jones is one of the main guys on that team. Uh, so I, I know his game pretty well. Uh, I fought, fought Coach Charlie to try to be him. I was not. I was Brandon McKissick, uh, who's another fantastic player for them. But uh, I, I I know Myron's game pretty well just from playing him five times my junior year. And uh hold on, so we got we gotta a, pause because because we're so, hold on, we'll get we'll get to the, the rest of the lineup, but we gotta talk about Myron real fast. Fantastic player and went on to play at Penn State right after playing at Huffman. Now he's in Florida. Um, but man, we had some battles with Myron and Huffman in high school. I think it was my senior year, your junior year. We played him four times. And they didn't beat it. We played them, ended up playing them five times, but beat them the first three, 
And then it took that fourth game at Jackson. No, it wasn't Jacksonville State. It was the area. But, I mean, golly, mm-hmm. that dude, that whole team could hoot. Bob, I remember the scouting on them knew them better than they knew themselves. Yeah, I mean, so he transferred out after his junior year and went to a prep school. With that junior year, we knew we were the two best teams in 7A in Alabama, and we were in the same area. And so we were kind of always pitted against each other. We knew kind of whoever made it out of Jacksonville State to the Final Four um, was probably going to win state. And um, those were, like you said, some battles. Um, Myron was unbelievable. We played them five times, uh, beat them four, lost one in overtime. Um, and the game in which the margin of victory was the greatest was one in which we won by 10 at home and Myron had 37. So uh, I, I've seen him give us the work a few times. Uh, he played well uh, when we played them. We played Penn State twice. So this is uh, my eighth time playing against Myron um, in an organized setting. So uh, I feel like we've seen enough of him respectfully, of course. I mean, I just I think back to all those games and every single time I go back to the whiteboard in the locker room at Mountain Brook and, you know, the coach, certain coach would put up there the scouting report. Right. And it'd be just details, left hand, this hand, that hand. I mean, it'd be everything but his family's information. (laughs) <laughs> on these players because we knew those guys and y'all knew those guys so well. And that's one thing that's so fascinating to me. Sorry, I had to I had to stop you right there, but there have there's a long history, uh, needless to say, between Britton Johnson and, and Myra Jones. 100 percent It's one of those things where you know you still watch the film a little bit, but you already know the scout so well. I know when he's going left, he wants to pull up. I know that when he's on defense, he loves to gamble and get steals and use his length and and so it's those little things that you pick up when you play a guy so many times. And so, um, I mean, shoot, I know his scout like the back of my hand. Like by the time we played them the fifth time that season, the scout was still up there, but everybody already knew, you know, all the players and what they did. And so is that something um, that you're able to tell coach in practice or you're, you know, you're going to him in his office and saying, hey, you know, I've played this guy for years since we were 16 years old. You know, are those little tidbits something you you tell your guys that are going to be guarding him, your teammates? Yeah, I mean, it's something that you definitely tell your teammates, and it's something that when we're going through scout during film, like I'll raise my hand and I'll be like, "Hey, here, you know, X, Y, and Z. Here are a couple of things that he does." Um, again, you know, we played him a couple of times at Penn State. I didn't get in those games, so uh, my memory of playing against him. Is, is from high school. So his games evolved since then, obviously. But the, his main tendencies are very similar. So it's just kind of fun to see his evolution as a player. He is a, he is a stud, um, unbelievable shooter, very, very smart player. Um, and so I'm just, I'm excited for that matchup and uh, to go up against him again. But yeah, kind of going through the rest of the team. You know, they have a lot of talent. Colin Castleton, uh, big-time players, their leading scorer and rebounder, uh, one of the best shot blockers in the country. Uh, he was there last year, and his game has kind of really evolved in this uh, offseason, and he's even better than he was uh year before. Appleby's another outstanding player. They have a lot of really good players. That'll be a very tough win for us. Um, and, you know, after the way that we lost a couple of years ago there, there's definitely a little bit of uh, we owe them one. And so, uh, you know, we're kind of going in with the mindset of, of we got to play our best game. And, and you know that when you're playing on the road in the SEC, 
the main thing is you have to control the controllables because there are going to be so many things that are outside of your control uh, that you're going to want to change or uh, affect, but you're unable to. So you got to kind of keep your mind on, on the things that you can control. And uh, you just got to be really mentally tough and resilient to, to get wins in the SEC on the road. I mean, it's, it's, it's the tough thing to do. And so that kind of translates to Missouri as well. Um, and that'll be a real test of, of us playing to our standard. Um, you know, Missouri, a team that's gotten to a, off to a, a little bit of a rough start this year. Uh, but shoot, we lost to them last year, you know? So we owe them. That's what I was well. going to say. That, that You talk about a battle last year after being down. I think it was down big. And then there was a fight and a fight and a claw and another claw and a scratch to come back. And the the final score was a loss by one last year in Columbia, right? Yeah, so we were down 20 with six minutes left um, and just battled our way back. And uh, <laughs> I I think Herb definitely got fouled um, on that possession to take the lead. Undoubtedly, uh, he got fouled. But uh, like I said, on the road, you control what you can control and you kind of leave the rest uh, – the rest to it because you're not going to get a favorable whistle every time. And, and, you know, last year it was a a little bit different because the crowd didn't have quite as much of an impact because of uh, COVID restrictions. But now that they're going to be full arenas again, uh, the crowd definitely impacts uh, refs calls to some level. Now we have some really, really good referees in the SEC, um, but that's just human nature, you know? And so uh, it'd be very hard not to let that impact you at least a little bit. And then, obviously, momentum is very easy to acquire when you're at home, very hard to acquire when you're on the road. So it's little things like that that just make road wins that much more challenging and and, and just, man, they're so fun when you actually uh, – when you do everything that you really desire to do in a game, you kind of check all the boxes and you pull off the win on the road because um, it's hard. It's hard to do. Yeah, the the momentum thing is so huge, and that's part of the reason Alabama has a seven and zero record this season at home. And we haven't played cakewalks by any means. It's been one of the hardest non conference, one of the top, um, one of the most difficult non conference schedules in the country, especially the games in Coleman. And that's one thing that the crowd has made such an impact. You know, giving the team motivation and putting the energy. You know from the air onto the floor. Um, but, Britton, as I look at Florida and as I look at Missouri, so we'll start with Florida here, 9-3, and three, as we mentioned. Haven't played a game in conference play. Missouri is 6-7 and seven overall. They've lost two in a row. They're 5-2 and two at home, so they've got that winning record. Conference-wise, they started out on the 29th versus Kentucky, a top 25 team. They lost on the road in Lexington, the uh, Tigers game versus Mississippi State got postponed. Uh, That is supposed to be played on Wednesday. That will not be played. And so their second SEC game will be against Alabama. Let's take a look now. Um, Actually, I've got one more question for you. I know we've we've hinted at it a little bit, but take us, as we like to do, behind the curtain a little bit of an SEC road trip. I mentioned earlier, but you travel the day uh, before. You got to get your schoolwork done. And you play the game that evening, that night, and you fly back. T- t- tell us, you know, all about all about those details, um, travel information, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, SEC weeks are they're busy enough without school. Um, 
we we have one more week without having to worry about you know schoolwork or tests or exams or anything like that um so that's nice but yeah so we're gonna fly out let's just you know take the trip to florida as kind of the example here so we're gonna practice and then we're gonna fly out to gainesville um from tuscaloosa and uh usually the night before we do some type of shoot around as a team just kind of trying to get shots up get familiar with the arena um it's it's usually meant to be more fun but at the same time you're still trying to get game reps in uh and then the next morning you have breakfast and shoot around and usually our shoot around is pretty competitive and it's not quite live but you know you go hard and and as coach says our talk is live so we're, we're talking through all the actions we're talking through um all their different sets and plays and uh you know the personnel everything like that um and then you get back and you eat pre-game meal and then you just kind of have some downtime usually in the hotel to to chill or do whatever uh get your mind right however you need to whether it's a nap or um i don't know listen to music whatever you do uh and then usually a couple hours before the game we leave um try to get there around maybe a little bit more than an hour and a half before a game and uh you know i think you can really go out and start shooting immediately when you get there and then at 60 minutes that's when our uh whole game day routine or uh pre-game routine sets in so uh that's kind of the uh the routine for road trips and obviously right after the game uh the luxury of flying charter planes is that we can uh fly straight back to Tuscaloosa so we don't have to wait uh, until the next day or anything like that yeah you get back at some ungodly times two three four five o'clock in the morning um I remember you telling me a story a couple years ago at Kentucky after the loss of an 11 a.m game there were flight issues and y'all were stuck on the on the runway or in the in the plane somewhere till like 6 p.m or something that night and um yeah that was miserable yeah, I was riding back with your parents, and we almost beat you back driving. I think you'll probably pass us overhead in Nashville or something like that, but we we thought we would catch you um, while we were driving and y'all were flying. Anyways, but I, I appreciate that. That's really cool to me. I'm a details guy, and I hope our listeners enjoy that as well. I want to take a look at some of the stats on Alabama this year. We've mentioned multiple times undefeated at home, 10-3 and three overall, 1-0 and in SEC play, but are there certain stats um, – that coach looks at or coach mentions or that, you know, off the top of your head that are pretty significant for Alabama so far this season. You know, uh, no free shout outs on this podcast. And yet, um, you know, one thing that one resource we use a lot uh, along with our own analytics uh, group, we use HD intelligence a lot, uh, which is Colton Housen, friend of the pod uh, is in charge of that. Um, but we also use Ken Palm a lot and, and, you know, it's kind of a, a general database for, uh, offensive and defensive efficiency of every college basketball team in division one, along with, you know, overall rankings that kind of stem from those analytics. And so, uh, yeah, we use that a lot just to kind of gauge where we're at. Um, and, you know, something that we were really, really strong in last year, we were a top five defensive team in the country, according to Ken Palm. Uh, this year we are in the 40s, I believe. So that's something that we're trying to work our way back up. Um, and, and coach has drawn a lot of attention to that recently. Uh, luckily, we've been, although we are 
far from a finished product offensively. We are much higher offensively, so we haven't had as much of an emphasis on that. But uh, we definitely use those resources a lot. One thing I talked about earlier was strength of schedule and how uh, part of just the grind of this season is playing teams that are so elite. And a couple of things Aaron Jordan has dug up to put on the nuggets you need to know under the game notes on RollTide.com. Shout out to our guy Aaron. Uh, Alabama is second in the nation for combined quad one and quad two wins at six, trailing only Michigan State, who has seven. Bama owns a three and two record versus quad one opponents. The wins include wins over Gonzaga, Houston, and Tennessee. The losses are at Memphis and versus Davidson in Birmingham. Alabama is also three and one versus quad two foes opponents, teams like Oakland, Drake, Miami. Uh, those were the wins, and then the loss was to Iona. Um, so playing really quality competition, and if anybody isn't exactly sure what a quad one and quad two team is, uh, Britain, you might have the exact definition. I'm not exactly sure, but I would say that it's, you know, your upper echelon, you know, you divide your 353 teams or whatever it is in college basketball into four and, you know, your top ranks are your top quarter fall and the quad one and then so and so forth, quad two, quad three, quad four. Now, teams like Auburn and Arkansas, no free shout outs, but shout out to Auburn, Auburn and Arkansas. They really like scheduling quad three, quad four teams, directional state university, especially Arkansas that you've never heard of before. And I'm not a player on the team, so I can say these type things. Um, but the net, all that to say, the net is something this is not even the net. Sorry, this is this is Ken Palm. This is the net. This is quad one, quad two wins and losses. All that is fascinating. Um, and that all speaks to the strength of schedule because a majority of Al Alabama, I think, is hold on. This is the next next bullet point here. I know I'm rambling here. Um, Alabama's one of the only teams in the nation who have not played a quad four team. And we don't have a quad four opponent remaining on our schedule. So that is extremely significant when you talk about strength of schedule. No doubt. And it's, you know, we talked about this a couple of times uh, on the pod. It's, it's one of those things where uh, playing great competition early exposes maybe some deficiencies in your team that um, you can kind of try to fix by conference play. Cause you know, ultimately the goal is to be playing your best basketball in March and also to, be playing your best basketball throughout conference play that you can possibly play. Obviously you want to win every game you uh, play in, but you're trying to set yourself up best for conference play. Cause you know, that if you're really successful in conference play, you're likely going to make the tournament. And if you're playing your best basketball in March, who knows what you can do in the tournament tournament, but you can you know do some damage there. Um, yeah. I was trying to think, I don't know if I remember the exact definitions of what a quad one, I, I think a quad one win, it's like top 25 at home uh top whatever i don't remember the that number neutral site and it's like top 50 on the road or something like that um maybe maybe it's top 25 at home top 50 neutral top 75 on the road and then it just kind of goes down from there but it you know more teams are quad two than quad one and more teams are quad three than quad two and more teams are quad four than quad three um so it's it's a really big deal we haven't played any quad four opponents uh and uh i think it says a lot about uh, AB Adam Bauman and, and the job he does scheduling um, and, and the fact that we have been fairly successful uh, in all these games against really good competition, I think is going to set us up really, really well come March. 
Yeah, it is. Britton and I are obviously, if you're listening to the podcast by now, and if this is your first time listening to an episode, welcome. Uh, but if you're a, a, if you have listened before, you know, we are numbers nerds. And so this type of stuff, we're learning as we go, but we're also experiencing and we're studying um, these stats and these numbers are just fascinating. Week nine of the Mean Streets podcast presented by Full Moon Barbecue. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. We've got merchandise available. All you have to do is go over to bandwagonsports.com. That's bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop and then click on Mean Streets. You can buy your merchandise, hats, shirts, pullovers, a vest, a golf shirt. I picked up my shirt today or my shirt was picked up today um i should say and i've got all my merchandise i'm very excited about it i know you've got some for christmas yeah i've got some coming in uh didn't you know they fell off santa's sleigh but uh they'll they'll be in soon enough and uh i'm excited so i'm gonna definitely be repping as soon as i get it yeah shout out to david knight and bandwagon sports all you have to do is go to bandwagonsports.com click on team shop and click on mean streets to purchase your merchandise today follow us on social media twitter and instagram at mean streets pod we've got gift cards from full moon to give out so follow us there we've got game day stickers and we appreciate you the listener i'm william galloway as always Britain, you've got the final word yeah just a, a big week for us this week so uh you know I don't necessarily expect all y'all to travel to Gainesville and uh, Columbia, but uh, if you have a chance, watch, support. Uh, We appreciate every bit of it. So roll tide. Hope you all have a great week.